It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored, honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a really fantastic show. I'll introduce my guest very shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. I was reminded this week that we can all have the best plans in the world, but there's no guarantee that things will happen on our preferred timeline. As you may know, I am launching Success Profiles magazine very shortly, which is an extension of the Success Profiles radio brand. I found out last week that my graphic designer had actually been in the hospital for a few days, which delayed his ability to finish on my timeline. Instead of being upset about it, my response was that I wanted him to feel better. I mean, that's that's the compassionate thing to do, right? I didn't want to start over with anyone else because I like this guy's work, and I would really rather have a great product delivered a little later than intended than to try and rush and meet a self-imposed deadline. However, the best lesson of all for me is to adjust my timeline next time so that there's no need for stress over this deadline. So next time I'll just have things done sooner so there's a buffer zone in place just in case something happens. I choose to believe life happens for me instead of to me, and I believe that it leads to a more peaceful existence all the way around. I hope this helps you for whatever you may be facing right now. And so with all this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. My guest this week is Chris Voss. Let me tell you about him. If you've ever wanted negotiation advice that's simple, incredibly effective, and even field-tested by the FBI, then you are going to love today's show. Chris Voss is one of the most, uh, one of the preeminent practitioners and professors of negotiation skills in the world. He's the former FBI lead international hostage negotiator. He's also the best-selling author of the book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life Depended on It. It is amazing. Get it, get it, get it. I absolutely recommend this. He's also the founder of the Black Swan Group, which provides training and advises Fortune 500 companies through complex negotiations. He also currently teaches negotiation at USC's Marshall Business School, School of Business, and he also has guest lectured at Harvard, MIT, and Northwestern. And he's done so much more than that, I can't even tell you. So we'll discuss all of this and more during the show. And before I forget, you can download and subscribe to the show on, uh, on iTunes. Search for Success Profiles Radio. And with all that in mind, here is my very special guest, Chris Voss. How are you today, Chris? Brian, I'm fantastic. And I apologize you had to take up so much of the show just going through all those nonsensical things that I've done in the past. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm I'm just really impressed. And I, I've been waiting for this for a while. I love your book. And I, anyone who has not read this, I think, really needs to. So, Absolutely want to share you with my audience for sure. So the first thing I normally ask people on my show is just to give us a sense of your background. What's your backstory? What did you overcome? How did you get to where you are now? Because I really feel like knowing where someone came from helps us to understand more about who they really are and what they have to offer. Well, I am a regular average guy. Uh, a small town boy from Iowa grew up uh, Son of Richard and Joyce Voss, grew up in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, town of about 7,000 people. You know, just, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, just, uh, you know, work ethic, 
blue collar background and uh, open to learning and working hard and you know you go up to i-80 you take a right and the next thing you know you're in new york city so it's kind of that's how it went absolutely uh i know where mount pleasant is because i grew up in iowa as well do you know where northwood is northwood that's one of those big cities isn't it <laughs> you're one of those little big cities i suppose it's off of i-35 right before you cross into minnesota Holy, oh, yeah, yeah. You're up there in the North Country with the Vikings and the Huns and everybody else up there, right? Absolutely. I I love it. Yeah, and the Vikings are my pro football team. So I live here in Arizona, but I am a Vikings fan through and through for sure. So how did you get from Mount Pleasant, Iowa to, well, where you are now? You're in L.A. now, right? I am, yeah. Um, you know, one thing out of another sort of fell out of the sky. It's you know, following interesting things. I was a police officer in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, got interested in federal law enforcement, ended up with the FBI. The FBI, in its in- infinite wisdom, put me in New York City. Uh, I joined a hostage negotiation team there. I worked with some fantastic people in New York. Learned a lot, a lot of hardworking blue-collar types in New York. And uh, ended up uh, running the international kidnap response uh, for the FBI uh, from headquarters in Washington, D.C., and it was just, it was cool. I mean, I was just interested in learning every step of the way, learn more about people. And, uh, you know, the, the profilers, I think everybody's seen the Netflix series Mindhunters, which is on these days. Um, you know, they founded on the idea that criminal behavior was just human behavior and homicides were just intensive human behavior. Well, hostage negotiation is just navigating people's emotions in varying levels of intensity, but it's still the same thing, whether it's our day-to-day interaction or whether somebody get bent out of shape enough to take a hostage, it's still human beings. And that's what I think is really cool about it. Yeah. Do you think that TV shows like that and SVU and Law and Order, those kinds of shows accurately portray how hostage negotiations happen? I mean, I know those are hour-long shows and those scenes are usually maybe 10, 15 minutes. I mean, obviously the real situations happen for hours and even days and weeks at a time. You know, it depends upon the TV show, the uh, the movie they negotiated with uh, Kevin Spacey and Samuel Jackson. I mean, mm-hmm. we used to take pieces of that movie and use it in, in our actual instruction. So sometimes sometimes they get it right. I realize Hollywood's got to have an artistic license to, to make it interesting and, you know, make stories less complicated. So sometimes they get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Was your family supportive of this path? I mean, this can be a very dangerous profession that you're in. Well, my father wasn't enthusiastic about me being a police officer initially. I mean, uh, just because he had higher aspirations for me. And that's how I got interested in federal law enforcement. But they, you know, they wanted me to, to I was lucky enough. They wanted me to do the stuff that made me happy, what I was interested in. And, and I, so they were always, always very supportive. That's really great. You got your start, though, by volunteering on a suicide hotline. You You went into your supervisor's office and you wanted to be trained as a negotiator. Tell us that story. Yeah, well, um, I had no credentials to become a hostage negotiator. I was eminently unqualified. Sure. And I, you know, I went into a lady that was in charge, and she was a, a direct, no nonsense kind of New York City gal, and she's like, "Go away, you got no credentials." And you know, in a, in a sense, that was a bit of a test in and of itself. And I, you know, am I persistent? Do I have initiative? Am I willing to go the extra mile if, if rebuffed? And I said, there's got to be something I could do. And she said, yeah, there is. Go volunteer on a suicide hotline. Now, now until you've done that, leave me alone. And shockingly, I did it. 
and she was really kind of the first, well, she was, she's really the second unofficial mentor that I had uh, recruited in the FBI, just because if you, if you ask the right person and you follow their advice, they're so shocked because few people will follow good advice that they'll look out for you now. And yeah. And Amy, you know, when I came back, she was shocked that I followed her advice. You know, volunteering on a suicide hotline is emotional intelligence, a master class in emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And since I did that, she, you know, literally I, I moved from the back of the line to the front of the line because she knew that I was smart enough to have initiative and, and listen to good advice and follow it. So, yeah, that made all the difference in the world. Yeah. And I suppose you're trained to treat every call like it's serious but were there times where you felt like this caller can't be serious and how do you handle that you know what you don't it's it's neither serious is is a state of judgment so it's neither serious that you don't even go there in in a conversation i mean you 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 need to dial in as quickly as you can because if somebody's calling a hotline they got a problem of some sort right now they might not be suicidal they might just be dysfunctional and nobody in their world will talk to them yeah. And you need to hear that as quickly as you can and, you know, diagnose and adapt on the way and move on. Uh, yeah. So, you know, whether or not somebody's serious or not is, you know, drop that out of your thinking and you can you can you can hone in on them a lot faster. Yeah. What do you find that the biggest challenges are for you in this type of career? We've got a couple of minutes to our first break. Um, getting out of your own way. I mean, uh, everybody's got natural triggers. You know, mine happen to be I'm a, I'm a natural born assertive. It's about a third of the planet. So getting not immediately striking back, you know, not being reactive. That That's one of my when somebody makes me mad. It's one of my natural triggers. I, I got to get that under control. Yeah, no, I can certainly certainly understand and appreciate that for sure. Um, let's talk just very briefly about uh, why you decided to go ahead and write a book before we the break. Well, the, starting from the hotline days, I realized that this, I didn't know it was the time, emotional intelligence, we've identified it now, how powerful it was in triggering changes in behavior really quickly. And I was, I thought this has just got to be, this has got to be applicable to day-to-day life. And that just kept evolving until I was fairly certain, I knew when I left the, the bureau that we were going to have to put out a book and we just needed to road test a little bit in the, in the in the business world for a while before we were a thousand percent sure of its applicability. And that took a few years. So that, that just led us to inevitably getting the whole system together and bringing the book out. Fantastic. We are coming up against our very first break. My very special guest this week is Chris Voss. He is the author of the book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. And if you want a masterclass on how to negotiate, this is a book that you definitely need to read. Lots of stories, lots of situations, lots of principles that can help you, whether you're not necessarily that you'll find yourself negotiating for hostage in everyday life, but negotiating about her salary work, negotiating with your spouse or significant other, getting someone to do what you want them to do and making them feel like it's their idea. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. 
This is Success Profiles Radio. Are you stressed out? Because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money-back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Chris Voss. His book is called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life depended on it. And if you've not read this book, you really should. So we'll spend some time talking about foundational principles in the book. And again, if you want to download and subscribe to Sex Profiles Radio on iTunes, you can do that for free. Leave a review if you'd like. That would be very meaningful. So Chris, uh, the book is about negotiating, obviously. So let me ask the first question that I think is probably fairly obvious. What does it take to be a good negotiator? There's a specific skill set that you need, right? Well, yeah, a little bit of patience, be open to listening, introspection. You know, some of the most ridiculously successful negotiators we're seeing are, are actually lean towards the introverted side, quiet. These quiet, dangerous guys, you got to watch out for them. They'll yeah. sneak up on you. So, uh, I, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're extroverted, you're probably not that good of a negotiator, you know, because you're not listening between the lines. And that's where the real key skills are. You don't catch people off guard if you're too loud also. So the best hostage negotiators were always extremely gregarious, but not mm. loud. You know, interesting, interesting line drawing there. Yeah, I would imagine the really extroverted people would just rather hear themselves talk and they're not really in it for what. The situation is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's it exactly. I mean, you got you got to be a good listener to be a good negotiator. You got to be a great listener. Yeah. How do you find out what somebody wants? You know, uh, I get them talking. Uh, uh, and what typically what they really want, what's really burning down deep inside. I mean, what they're really after is going to be between the lines, and they might not even hear it or know it themselves. I mean, you know, one of my favorite tricks is to point out something that's really driving somebody that they didn't even know was driving them. 
Um, and that th- then it transforms the other side and makes them want to cooperate, which is <laughs> where I want to be. I want them to cooperate with me. Yeah. So if someone is taken a hostage and they're, for example, in a bank and when that, I mean, let's just take that because that's the first obvious example that people think of and they're surrounded by police. I mean, the thing that you, you would think that the thing that they really want is just to have a safe getaway. But is that what they really, really, really want? Um, yeah, you're quoting the Spice Girls now, too. Oh, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> oh, I, I, that was completely not even planned. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, you know, what, what deep down is burning inside somebody, I mean, if you can really get at what, you know, what the larger, we refer to in the book is what's the other guy's religion? You know, what do they believe in more than anything else? If I start tapping into that, then... then um, my ability to influence is extraordinary. So, you know, how this guy got into a position where he's in a bank and trapped by the police, I can dig into some deeper issues there. The sooner I get to those, the sooner I get them out. That's the other thing, too. Good negotiations delay that saves time. I mean, get, get, get out of the repetitive conversations, get into two or three really good conversations, cover a lot of ground, and you'll be stunned at how much more quickly you can get over if you don't try to take the direct route. Yeah. And something you talked about in your book, which blew my mind a little bit, the idea of appearing to be powerless actually puts you in a stronger position because then you're acting like you're not the one that can make the decision. Yeah. Um, Deference is the best position to negotiate from. It's the most flexible. It's the most likable across the board. And it gives you the opportunity um, to have the most influence because I don't need to trigger somebody's defensiveness by being combative. If, if it's a win-lose thing and I got to win uh, to get my way, you're going to fight me even more, and it's going to take longer than necessary because you don't you don't you don't want to be beaten. I'm, I'm not interested in handicapping myself that way. Right, and let's let's talk about the win-win and the win-lose scenarios because you spent some time talking about that. Why is trying to get a win-win actually not a good idea? That sounds really counterintuitive to some. Well, in, in the first place, um, if you're saying win-win right off the bat, chances are you, you really you really want I win, you lose. Mm. I've, I've noticed almost universally the sooner the words – if the words win-win come out of somebody's mouth at all, they're going to come out early. And if they come out early, that guy's trying to cut my throat. Mm. So it's a, it's a real mislabel, if you will. And then, then if you're trying really hard to make sure I win exclusively – you know, a, a cutthroat negotiator is going to sense that and going to exploit it. So yeah. you have to understand what the phrase actually means and how people are using this context. It's contextual intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the win-lose versus the win-win negotiator a little bit ago. When a win-win negotiator tries to work with a win-lose negotiator, that usually is like oil and water. That doesn't usually work out very well, does it? Well, if you're truly trying to be super collaborative, it does make you excessively vulnerable to the win-lose negotiator. Mm. And you have to, you have, you have to, you know, it's, I know it's going to sound crazy, but we like the analogy. We use the Starship Enterprises analogy all the time because the Starship Enterprise is about information gathering and making friends. But if pushed is fully capable of do, of fighting seriously. And, and if you, if you pick a fight with the Starship Enterprise, you're probably going to lose. Right. It's not the first option. But always prepared to go to war if necessary, and and always then always prepared as soon as the war's over to spin back to peacekeeping. Yeah. So we started negotiation, looking to gather information, make friends, 
if you're a Klingon and you want to engage in bare knuckle bargaining, we're, I teach how to do that. I get some great strategies. My bare knuckle bargaining will beat your bare knuckle bargaining. Mm. But for us to have a long term relationship, I got to be able to pivot back to relationship building at any point in time. Wow, that's that's fantastic. And you know, it's interesting. You draw analogies with telemarketing, for example. We're conditioned to go for yes as often as possible, but you say we should go for no. Why does that work better? Is that a a, a lowering of the defense mechanisms? Well, the yes trap is just so overdone. It's yeah. you know micro agreements, mere agreement, yes momentum. Every every smooth talking snake oil salesperson out there is engaged in that strategy. Now, the problem is what happens when decent people engage in strategies that we've come to learn the snake oil salesman is using? Well, our guard goes up immediately. So while there, there may have been a point in time where that was a good idea, there are too many fast-talking hustlers, too many wolves out there um, that are going to give us bad deals using that method, and, we're, and it's so overdone that everybody on the planet, our guard goes up initially. So the crazy thing is the opposite side um, gets triggered when you say, no, you protect yourself. So I'm like, all right, if the other side's in no mode, then I'm just going to change my question. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I, I love this, too. In like, for example, in a sales situation, this is something that you said in your book. You know, a lot of people will say, um, it, you know, basically setting the table, you know, I want to make sure you have time to talk. But something you said is this isn't a bad time to talk, is it? And of course, that's a no. And that means you know you're lowering their defenses which I, I i love that because um now someone's more willing to believe you and to like you and talk to you well as much as lowering defenses it's put it's putting someone actually in a mode if they feel safe and protected when they've said no they're actually more willing to listen yeah and that's what i'm trying to do i need i need i need to get you in a state of mind where you actually all i need for you to do is actually listen to me and i need to actually listen to you and triggering a no is a, is a, is the a hack. It's uh it's the killer app. It's a shortcut. Yeah. To getting you, you to, to actually listening. Yeah, and I love the fact that you just went back to listening because sometimes do you find that that's really deep down what someone wants is to feel like they're being listened to and respected. I mean, irrespective of anything else that they might actually be asking for. Um, they always want that. Yeah. So, and in many cases, that may actually be more important than making the deal. Mm. Do, you, do you find that sometimes that the deal someone asks for never gets done once they realize that you've actually acknowledged who they are? No, it increases the chances that it'll get done. I mean, our philosophy is there's always a better deal to be had. Mm. So, you know, if I sit down and talk with you, I want our outcome to be something where you go like, wow, that ended up better than I expected. You know, thank God we had that conversation because there are some ideas here that I never considered, and we're going to get a lot farther with this deal than I ever expected. Yeah. How about an example of how that played out? Um, I uh, I just came back from National Contracts Management Association in conference in Boston, and the first time I spoke to them, it was one of the best gigs I ever got, and I did it for no fee. Um, and we engaged in the conversation. They said, we, we, haven't got, we haven't got money for fees. I said, well, what do you have money for? So they ended up, they could buy books for all the attendees. Um, they were going to videotape the, my presentation. So I got this great, I got great video out of them that I would have had to pay otherwise. But the real kicker was 
they have a national magazine. I collaborated with the chairperson in Boston to do an article for the national magazine, got visibility through their entire ma- um, membership, which is 22,000 people in their national magazine. National got a way to help out a local chapter, avoid having to pay a fee for a speaker. I get visibility on a national level. Yeah. They never would have even thought of that if I said, hey, you know, I said, do you guys have a magazine in Boston? They said, no, we don't, but National does. Mm-hmm. I said, ooh, all right, let's see where that goes. And mm-hmm. it ended up being a great deal. I love that you asked, well, what do you have money for? It was a really interesting way of finding out what it is they had to offer. And and sometimes that's that's really critical. I mean, sometimes the thing that you go in wanting is not necessarily the thing that you end up getting. And sometimes that's a better thing. Exactly right. I mean, the idea of finding, discovering great trade, not just high value trades, but discovering stuff that the other side didn't realize was there anyway. I mean, the amount of money that they spent on books, it was, you know, it was a great boost to the sales of my book, but now I get the book in 300 people's hands and they're going to get better. And then if they get better, they're going to want more. Absolutely. We've got about a minute and a half to our next break. So let me ask, there are, you mentioned earlier that introverted uh, people usually make better negotiators and introverted people, I would probably surmise are generally nicer. So there are advantages to being nice versus being abrasive in a negotiation. Wouldn't that be right? Um, uh, Stuart Diamond, I heard him throw a stat out one time and Stuart Diamond teaches negotiation at Wharton and he's a great analytics guy. So I'll buy a stat he throws out almost automatically. And he said that you're six times more likely to make a deal with somebody you like. Mm. And the introverts are not going to put you off. So you'll like them sooner. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest this week is Chris Voss. He is the author of the book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It, because sometimes it does. (laughs) And Chris found that out in his line of work as an FBI lead negotiator. We will talk about how to gain an upper hand in negotiation. We'll talk about the one thing that, that people want. We'll talk about uh, whether men and women negotiate differently or not. That'll be an interesting discussion and so much more after we come back from the break. We will come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? 
concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Chris Foss. He's the author of the book, Never Split the Difference, negotiating as if your life depended on it. And so I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in hearing your answer to this question. How do you gain the upper hand in a negotiation? I'm, I'm sure this isn't a strong arm tactic or a strong arm kind of thing, but you want to get a, you want to feel like you're in control of what's going on. So how do you do that? Well, there's a difference between control and the upper hand. Mm. And the secret to gaining the upper hand is giving the other side the illusion of control. Oh, Okay. So I, if, if I got a control focused person on the other side, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, these guys are vulnerable to me. Mm. All I got to do is make them feel like they're in control. I mean, that, that you know, it, as crazy as it sounds, the international kidnapping negotiator and a typical procurement person or the contracts person in business, they are the same animal. And they got one move. They're going to beat you up. They're going to take control. They're going to pound you down. And it, all right, fine. You want to feel like you're in control? That's your overriding goal. The minute you feel like you're in control, you're going to drop your guard. So I'm like, all right, man, you're in control. <laughs> nice. You got to make some. You got to make the other person feel like they are the man or the woman or whatever the case is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, if that's their goal, um, and they're so used to that being a fight that they actually they're caught off guard, and they really, if they're if they're trying to control me then they, you know, it's a stealth, it's a stealth weapon I can use against them. Yeah. Do you think that men and women negotiate differently? I would imagine most of your hostage situations are dealing with other men, but there are obviously situations where men and women have to go negotiate with each other on things. Well, you know, uh, you know, whether by nature we negotiate differently, you know, what's how society reacts to us. The crazy thing about this is this particular emotional intelligence brand of negotiation, which is is like enormously powerful, women pick it up faster than men do. Mm. I mean, a significant portion of the stories that I tell in my book um, are women's successes, huge successes, and in a higher percentage than the women that were exposed to the material. Like we would have... You know, like maybe a third, a third of my classes typically would be women, mm. but fully half of the home runs are hit by women. So that's an outsized sample based on a representative sample to begin with. I think women pick this up faster and get farther with it than men do. Do you think that women have a greater curiosity about this or are more open to learning it? I think those are those are those are parts of the components. Okay. I think I think women being much more challenged in today's business environment to be successful are looking for more answers than men typically are mm. uh, because they're being challenged more. 
So in that, that by definition, whether they were open to begin with or they're being forced into being open by the environment, openness is a, is a critical issue. Are you open to new ideas? Yeah. Let's talk next about how am I supposed to do that? How am um, I supposed to do that? <laughs> yeah. If someone, if someone asks, let's just say that uh, I've got a hostage, hypothetically, and I'm looking for a getaway car. And I'm demanding this, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, do something pretty brutal to my hostage if I don't get a car in 60 seconds. And then you yeah, ask so, me, well, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah, that, I mean, that works on about at least three levels simultaneously it gives me the upper hand. First of all, I burden you with the problem. Um, I've done it in a very deferential way. I'm gaining the upper hand by giving you the illusion of control. You feel in control when I ask you, how am I supposed to do that? Mm-hmm. I've, it's also forced context, forced empathy. Mm. You know, I make you look at my position and and at least contemplate the entire context of my position. Now, what you do from that is almost irrelevant to the fact what I've just done is what Daniel Kahneman would refer to in his Nobel Prize winning theory around prospect theory. I've triggered slow thinking. I've triggered an in-depth thought process on your side which is at least going to wear you out. So I've just started to gain the upper hand in two or three ways before you've even answered. And mm. that's one of the reasons why that's so powerful. Yeah. So when you say to me, how am I supposed to do that? And then I say, well, that's your problem to figure out. Do you find that that happens? Or do you find that you can prevent that question from coming up based on knowing who your adversary is to start with? No, that's actually where I want to be. I mean, a negotiator's job is, is to uh, find out how much could possibly be on the table, explore each avenue to its maximum without driving the other side away from the table. So if you say to me, that's your problem, what you've just done is you told me that I just reached the limit on that issue and you're still at the table. You're And, and this is how to push people without driving them from the table. So you you just said, look, man, that's all there is. It ain't going nowhere beyond that. Now I, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it again with a slightly different inflection, just to make doubly sure. But the subtle point here, and you said this before, what's not happening is as important as what is happening. Mm-hmm. What's not happening is I'm trying to push you to your absolute limit, without you slamming your hand down on the table, calling me names, and leaving. And when when you finally say, look, that's your problem. That's what I've just done. Okay, I can certainly understand that. And we talked a little bit earlier about the one thing that people usually want in a negotiation, and that is actually respect. Someone wanting to feel validated and acknowledged. Does that sound right? Yeah, um, there's something of of the three types that we believe fight, flight, make friends. There's something that's more important than making the deal to each of those types. And, you know, the assertive type, the the President Donald Trump type, not to pick on him politically in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. He's the poster child for the assertive negotiator. Yes. He's the most visible. There's lots like him out there. I mean, my natural born type is the assertive type. You show me respect. And this has been shown. Look at the way he 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 navigates the world. The minute somebody shows him respect and deference, next thing you know, he's making deals with them. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's an enormously influential thing with someone that's an assertive to be respected and deferred to. And, and next thing you know, they're, they're giving you the deal that you want. 
Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Look what's There's, going on with President Trump in China now. He goes to China. They treat him with tremendous respect and deference. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, that President Trump is saying, you know, the trade deficit with China is really our fault. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Look at how effective that is with him. Yeah, absolutely. I lo- that's great. So let's talk about the value of getting to that's right. And this is about reaching a consensus with someone or someone realizing that what you are talking about actually has some validity. Talk us through that. Yeah, well, that's right is what people say when they when they believe that what they just heard was a complete and unequivocal truth. And then they can embrace it fully as if it's their own. Now, you're right is what you say to somebody to get them to leave you alone. Yeah. And and even if you're not trying to get them to leave you alone, you're right is OK. That's your truth. I'm not sure that I can argue with it right, with you right now. Mm hmm. And even if, but as of right now, when I say you're right, the best I'm saying is that's your truth. I'm not agreeing that it's my truth. Mm. So changing the your to the that goes from you putting arms, keeping an arm's length distance from you and a solution and embracing a solution. And that's one of the critical distinctions. I mean, Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand, then be understood. I'm trying to be understood. If I'm going to be understood by you, I know that you have to feel understood before you're going to listen to me. How do I know that you feel that way? You're going to say, that's right. That's a Stephen Covey threshold. Yeah, that's right. See, I did it. There it is. That's right. (laughs) So we alluded a little earlier about the value of listening to what is being said versus what is not being said. Is there an example of where you were listening very intently for what was not being said and you successfully drew that out? Well, uh, there's an issue of whether or not you've successfully drawn it out or whether or not you've used it to make it smarter. Now, there was a kidnapper in the Philippines that was a lone serial kidnapper. Lone serial, uh, he was a lone kidnapper, serial killer. He's the only one that met that category that ever ran across. And the guy wouldn't use a singular personal pronoun to save his life. He was just, he would never say, I, me, mine. Any of the conversations always, we, they, them, us. And he did that so much, I remember thinking at the time, we're talking to the boss. Now, this is a, in the business world, this is a great business tactic. You get a decision maker at the table, which is unusual. That person is going to claim powerlessness. They're going to mm. plural pronouns, we, they, them, us. You can't get a singular pl- pronoun out of that person's mouth to save their life because they do not want to admit to you how influential they are. I remember this guy in, in the Philippines. It was the first time I became fully conscious of it had run across it on a primary decision maker and a bank robbery too was doing the same thing, trying to hide from us. So what was not being said actually gave us a clear profile of not only who we were dealing with, but where they were in the decision making process. It's the exact same thing that business people do. If somebody's using plural pronouns at the table, you got a powerful person at the table. Yeah. And do you find in sales, for example, and I've encountered this, If someone is always deferring – I've got, for example, the principal of the school on the phone, but they keep deferring to the school board or to a committee. Like they don't want to decide. They they don't want the responsibility for a potentially incorrect decision. Well, they they don't want it openly. And, you know, so your gut instinct is you've got one or two people that you're talking to at that point in time. Either he's going to be the most influential person or his mission in life is to kill deals. I mean, you got to watch out for the deal killer on the other side. They're rarely at the table, yeah. but they might be. 
and they don't want to invest in a relationship with you because they're planning on killing the deal away from the table. And you have to watch out for that. Yeah. Okay. We've got a couple minutes to our final break. Let me ask, Chris, who are the most difficult types of people to negotiate with? Well, um, the person who won't come to the phone at all, the person who won't come to the table, they're, 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 they know that if they come to the table, they're at least opening themselves up to influence. After that, it's really each one of us are, are set off by something. For me personally, I'm, I, I have a real problem with, with someone who's lying to me. I'm, I'm not good with someone who will, uh, who will, uh, you know, whiz on my shoes and tell me it's raining. <laughs> right. Absolutely. No, I, I certainly get that. You don't want to do that at all. And, um, the other thing I want to ask before we go to break, in terms of getting information that you need, there are many types of questions. Who, what, where, why, when, how. What and how questions are the questions that you prefer, as you've discussed in your book. Tell us why that is. Well, um, they're the most deference-inducing. They feel deferential. People love to be asked how to do something. People love to be asked what to do. The other side feels very powerful when you use those. So the strategic use of those two can make all the difference in the world. So we're, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come from a position of deference because I know how, how far and how fast that'll get me. Yeah. And questions that lead with why can bring up defensiveness. Uh, no, they do different bring up defensiveness and not that yes. they can, they, they why do. always triggers defensiveness. Okay, wonderful. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back. motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. It's merging everywhere. You have probably heard about the Ring Video Doorbell app. 
It has a motion sensor that alerts your cell phone if someone is on your porch or rings a doorbell. All you have to do is tap your phone and you can see who is at your door and talk to them through a remote mounted camera and speaker. My husband thought this would be a good idea to have for our home. However, I had no idea he had installed it while I was out of town. Imagine how confizzled I felt when I returned home, went to unlock the door, and suddenly heard my husband's voice calling at me from seemingly nowhere. He had installed a camera and speaker high up in a tree next to our front porch. Talk about being surprised and confused. What's another word for being confused? Flabbertubles. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Chris Voss. He is the author of the book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. And we can get that on Amazon. Is there anywhere else we can get that, Chris? Uh, you can get it at uh, Barnes & Noble. You could get it anywhere. You're going to get the best price on Amazon. Absolutely. And you have a newsletter that you'd like to tell us about. I'd love to hear more about that. The newsletter is The Edge. And it comes out once a week, and it's free. It's complimentary. A friend of mine used to always say, if it's free, I'll take three. <laughs> and I just ran across the negotiator, slightly different format. A guy ran across in Boston the other day said, I love the edge. It's concise. It's quick and easy to digest. It comes out on Tuesdays. It's um, usable, applicable. He said, I can put it in, you know, you can put it into situations that are going on right now. And he he was just raving about it, and I think the the you know the each piece is no more than a page and a half, two pages. You, you're not going to wear yourself out reading it. The best way to subscribe to it is the text FBI empathy, all one word. Don't let your spell check put a space in there between FBI and empathy. Send a text to two two eight two eight. That's twenty two eight twenty eight FBI empathy, all one word. You get a dialogue back box. It'll sign you up for the newsletter. It's a gateway to everything we do. Fantastic. I love that. Thank you so much. So let me ask, why do you think negotiations fail? Uh, I think largely um, uh, two, two reasons. People get really focused on a goal, and if you're focused on a goal, you get on blinders. And so you'll miss a better deal. And the other side can't believe that you'll miss it. And you missed it because you weren't listening. Uh, you're so sure of what you want. You're sure of how you're going to make your case. I mean, people are just not listening. And they, both sides start getting bent out of shape. And, and next thing you know, you got a downward spiral. Yeah, absolutely. What is the worst thing that someone could say? Um, uh, I've given you an offer that's fair. Mm. In your estimation, I may not think so. And yeah. then it fails. Yeah. And it, well, it triggers. I mean, as soon as you th- drop, that's what we call the F bomb. And as soon as you drop the F bomb in a negotiation, I mean, it's really subtle. The cutthroat negotiators use it to get us to give in. Mm-hmm. And some people, good people use it too when they feel backed into a corner, but it always, it always ratchets up emotionality. Cause if I say I've given you a fair offer, I'm calling you a name. I'm calling you unfair. Yeah. 
And it's just it it's one of those things that contributes to the downward spiral. Yeah. So the word fair is not a word that you want to use ever. It's the F bomb. <laughs> yep. Great. So let's talk about deadlines. I'm a huge sports fan. I know that you enjoy sports too. And when when negotiations in these sporting leagues happen, you've got your commissioner, you've got the owners, you've got the players union, and there's always a deadline or at least a perceived deadline. How can you use the power of the deadline to help you in your negotiation? Well, you know, the actual, the intellectual design of a deadline is to try to trigger um, a process, to trigger a productive process. So if we get a long deadline, you're like, all right, fine, I don't got to get productive until we're close to the end of this thing. But deadlines fall away as soon as you get productive. So, and and deadline of hostage negotiation, a bad guy's just trying to get productive. He's just trying to force action. And so as soon as you get productive, then the deadlines have a tendency to, to, to go away. It's just that people get lazy. People forget about what's going on. You know, what's top of mind is all not always remain top of mind. And focus is a problem in the business world. So if I can't get you to focus, I'm going to hold a gun to your head by giving you a deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So how do you build and nurture trust in a negotiation? Would you say that listening is probably the primary way of doing that? Or are there other things that we haven't talked about? Well, a smart thing is drop the word trust from your from your vernacular and put in the word predictability. Okay. Um, because if you can begin to predict what's gonna what I'm going to do, then you're less worried because trust is about not being caught off guard. Now, the real definition of trust is will you put my interests before yours? Or will you at least consider them first? Now, you get there as a second step as soon as you start looking for predictability from the other side. It also makes things a lot less emotional when you start thinking in terms of predictability versus trust. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you talk about the idea of owning your negatives up front. That seems really counterintuitive. I'd love to hear how you talk about that. Yeah, well, um, the reasons for not making a deal are often more important than the reasons for making a deal. So if I know the negative obstacles are a bigger deal than the, than the gains, then let me just clear the negative obstacles. And we do it in a very counterintuitive way. You know, We don't deny it. We just recognize it. And we recognize it in very specific ways that don't take a position one way or another. Just, you know, hey, this is here. You, you know, you guys think we're bullies. That's me recognizing it. That's mm-hmm. not me taking a position on one way or the other. It's also not me saying, like, look, I'm, I don't want you guys to think we're bullies. You know, that denial, that's counterproductive. Or, you know, I hear on a sports talk show, I'm listening to Michael Vick about a year ago talking about a quarterback. And he said, I don't, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but this is what I think. And uh, the sports, the broadcasters immediately said, you know, as soon as somebody says, I don't want to be disrespectful, the next thing you're going to do is be disrespectful. Right. If instead Vic would have said, I'm sure I'm going to seem disrespectful, but this is what I think. I guarantee you the broadcasters afterwards would have said, you know that Michael Vick's a straight shooter. Yeah. And those are those two, those are hugely different. The second characterization, they're actually, when they say you're a straight shooter, they're taking what he said to the bank instead of throwing it away because the first thing he's, if I don't want to be disrespectful, you know he's going to be. That's a topic of discussion, and they forget what he said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's let's bring some of this into uh, 
I want to say a real world situation or a situation that we might encounter. Let's talk about how you can earn an upgrade when you're traveling. A lot of people travel. A lot of people would prefer to get an upgrade. They don't think about asking or they don't know how. So how can you do that? Well, um, first of all, recognize that uh, whoever you're looking for an upgrade from, whether it's an airline person, whether it's a hotel person, you know, they're asked that all the time. Yeah. And, they're, and then they're screamed at if, they, if the person doesn't get it. You know, so if you're going to ask for it, I'm, I might be like, you know what? You are getting beat up today right and left. I mean, people come up to you. They don't, you know, you're at your bosses. Your airline doesn't appreciate you. You're on the front lines. You got to be, you got to be one of the hardest working people in the entire airline. You're taking flack from everybody for every bad thing that the airline does. And now suddenly the person on the other side, they're like, wow, nobody, nobody was ever nice to me before. I actually realized where I was coming from. That's right. And then, then you're going to say, look, you know, I got a ridiculous, selfish, insane request. I'm going to ask you for the same thing that all these other schmucks ask you for. And it's probably just going to seem like another schmuck. Now, at that point in time, if they can do something for you, they will. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the key issue is there's always something they can do for you. Yeah. If they just felt like it. And, th- yeah. and, and that's how we get that done all the time. That's wonderful. So out of all of the negotiation situations you've encountered, when did you learn the most? Wow. Because um, we're always learning. Right. I mean, when I, you know, I learned, I'm, I learned the most if we didn't make a deal. I'm like, what, what did, what did I say wrong? What did I bite on too quick? What did I react to too quickly here? How did, how did I, how, you know, what bothers me is when I sense somebody's trying to cut my throat and I'm, and I'm immediately dismissive of that and I'll cut, I'll cut off the conversation. And afterwards I'll say to myself, you know, if I hadn't gotten mad just cause they were trying to really beat me down. I could have worked my way through that and made a deal there someplace. I just got mad because they were trying to cheat me. Yeah. And so the deals, you know, we don't make every deal, but we talk about them all the time to try to get better. Absolutely. What has surprised you the most about your journey? Oh, wow. Um, Like there's so much. Sure. Uh, You know, how much people are trying to the harder people try at negotiation Actually, the more that gets in their way. I mean, there are a lot of people that are really struggling with it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of mediocre negotiation out there. I'm really kind of surprised at how f- small the barriers are at getting better, but how, how, how big of um, uh, obstacles those small changes create. Sounds like those people need to hire you. You know, I buy my book. They don't even have to hire me. There you go. There you, <laughs> you go. Get, you yeah. You get a return on investment on your book. I guarantee you. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So if you were starting over today, knowing what you know right now, what might you do differently? I don't know. That, the only thing I'd, be, I'd do differently is is um, I'd be nicer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be any less determined. But uh, as an assertive, my natural style is to be a little blunt. And that ends up being counterproductive. And so I would I would have just taken a few miles an hour off my fastball uh, to try to take a little bit easier on people. There you go. And here's the question I ask everyone at the end. We've got less than three minutes to go. Who inspires and motivates you? Oh, um, the guy that I think of off the off the top of my head most is uh, is Mark Cuban. Um, he's constantly trying to learn. I think he's he's about doing the right thing. I think his heart's in the right place. 
He's relentless. Uh, he helps people who are willing to be helped and be great partners. You know, he reads three hours a day. Uh, I think he's optimistic about life. I mean, all those all those attitudes are, I, re- I really enjoy a lot. That is fantastic. So how can we tribe with you and vibe with you? You know, um, subscribe to the newsletter. I mean, that'll keep you up with everything we're doing. We're, t- we're teaching around the country. We've got open enrollment sessions. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We're helping a lot of people get uh, get better. So, uh, you know, I, I subscribe to the newsletter. You get a lot out of it. Great. And tell us one more time how we can do that. Text the word FBI Empathy, all one word. Don't put a space in between FBI and Empathy. Send a text to 22828. It's 22828. Sign up for that newsletter. Start getting better right away. Fantastic. And once again, the book is called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life Depended on It. Get it on Amazon. You will get the best price there. Chris Voss, thank you so much for being an extra special guest. I appreciate you and honor the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for being on the show. That pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. And to all of you out there listening, thank you so much for joining us on this very special journey today. Join me next week as I interview another world-class expert and learn how they succeeded, what they overcame, the obstacles that they encountered, and and the lessons that we can all learn from that. Join us next week at 6 p.m. Eastern on Monday for Success Profiles Radio. Again, you can download and subscribe to the show on iTunes for free anytime you like. And be on the lookout for Success Profiles Magazine coming very, very soon. Kevin Harrington is my first cover and feature story. Cannot wait. And uh, I can't wait for you to enjoy that. Thanks for joining us. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to 